Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome, everyone, to the Roto World Football Podcast, the true official Roto World Football Podcast. Any other ones that might mention our name? Frauds. They're frauds. They're not real. I'm Josh Norris. That's Ian Hart. It's the gift god. What's up, man? <laughs> I'll take that nickname. Uh, not much, man. Week 11. Uh, I feel like we still got the best pod ahead of us, though. I agree with you. Uh, Ian, you are 3-0 and in helicopter props Ooh, the yes. last three weeks. One, can you explain the helicopter prop? And to explain your process to go along with it. So on the season, the helicopter prop is actually 4-1-1. One, and one. Excuse me. I didn't do enough research. Uh, started off the year with a bang. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, two-touchdown performance, predicted that. Came back, Curtis Samuel, um, one touchdown. If they find the end zone, I call it a draw. And then we lost the pilot. I think it was week four. Hollywood Brown, unfortunately, could not get anything going. But, yes, Tevin Coleman, Derrick Henry. But and, what are uh, they? Golden because Kate. it's you <laughs> on Sunday mornings, Saturday nights, or is it even before then? Sunday mornings. Going out on a ledge, on a limb, and saying, hey, this guy's going to have a monster week. I mean, you expected 100 yards and two touchdowns from Derrick Henry. Basically the same thing this past weekend with uh, Golden Tate. Golden Tate. And you've hit him. You've hit him. Like, what, what's your thinking of this? Because these aren't names like, oh, Lamar Jackson's going to do this. Deshaun Watson's going to do this. It's some players that are kind of middle of the road. Yeah, that's the goal. It's like an under-the-radar play. I usually kind of, you know, a lot of things we do have DFS and season-long applications, but I try to keep it to a guy that might have under 10% ownership and just kind of an under-the-radar guy that I think has an especially good chance at going off. I think the rest of the industry is missing him. So it's been hot lately. I know we'll have cooler days in the future. But it, was, it literally just started with um, – it was week one, Sunday morning, getting ready for the game to start. And the Chargers Twitter account just sent out the helicopter and some dumb tweet saying, like, tune in later. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm going <laughs> to steal that uh, artwork and put it on my own. So I appreciate the humility. Uh, it doesn't seem like you're nervous at all, despite more attention being paid to this – as the weeks and weeks go by. You got to roll with the ups and downs. Any suggestions, any hints on who might be? Or oh, no. does that kind of come to you Saturday night and in an epiphany? I'm, I'm contractually obligated to never mention the helicopter play until Sunday morning. So. My, my apologies. Okay. So later on, we'll have Nick Menzio and his start sits. You all love that column, so we'll bring him on the show. We'll also talk about Ian's wide receiver and cornerbacks matchup. That's a column you can find on Roto World right now. But as we do every single time during this podcast, we'll start with a Thursday night football matchup. Now, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers 
facing the Cleveland Browns. Just a 40-point total the last time I checked in this one, but the Browns are two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, despite being 3-6. and six. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are at 5-4. and four. Four-game winning streak for said Steelers, and a lot of that, Ian, has become, become due to defensive play. Like, they've been outstanding on that side of the football. It's been incredible, man. I mean, look, Mega Fitzpatrick is getting all the hype, as he should. League high, seven combined interceptions and forced fumbles this season. The guy's just making plays left and right. But re-watching that game last week, how good did Joe Hayden yeah. look? Because I kind of left him. I didn't leave him off for dead, but I think it was Preston Williams made a couple contested catches against him a couple weeks ago. I just wasn't – they haven't been moving around. I wasn't sure if he could still be this lockdown cornerback. Five pass deflections, forced fumble, interception. Like, Joe Hayden looked all the way back last week, and it was a major reason why they held Cooper Cup to a goose egg. T.J. Watt, you know, he's been talking about wanting to get out of his brother's sh- shadow. He is. I mean, he's one of the best edge rushers in the league at this point. Right. You know, it's the big trouble with them, I think, was trying to find someone in the middle of the defense to replace Ryan Shazier. Uh, I know Mike Lombardi says it a lot. Like, your defense is only as fast as your middle linebacker. They struggled without him, one of the league's best linebackers, last couple years. Devin Bush has had mishaps and coverage to this point, but sure. just having an athlete like him out there I think has helped uh, bring out the best in everyone else. And we talked about the Steelers' defense against the Rams this past weekend. The Rams team that is struggling with offensive line play, struggling at quarterback versus pressure, even not against pressure. Well, guess what the Cleveland Browns are doing? They're struggling with offensive line play, and their quarterback is struggling as well. It's not a stretch to say that Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, all playing outstanding football. I mean, this defense is up to number three overall in defensive DVOA, pass defense at number four, run defense at 11. The offense has been the major question. So what do we think about Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry going up a defense that we should really care about, one that is one of the best units in the NFL. I think we also need to start mentioning Kareem Hunt in that conversation, too, after the way to use them. Look, we've given Freddie Kitchen a, Kitchens a ton of flack on this podcast all season. I think he's deserved a good amount of it. But what they did last week makes me just the tiniest bit optimistic that they can mm. maybe make a run at the end of the year. Because, look, first game of Kareem Hunt, did they take Nick Chubb off the field unnecessarily? No. They kept him on the field. 81% snaps is what he's been playing a lot of the year. 20 carries, four targets. Keep giving your best offensive player the ball. They did that. Kareem Hunt, though, this is a guy that led the league in broken tackles as a rookie. Last year, he was on pace to do so again until that whole fiasco happened. And what did he do his first game? 54% snaps, four carries, nine targets, career-high 14 snaps in the slot and out wide. They're finding a way to get all their best players on the field at the same time. OBJ had a season-high 168 air yards, season-high 12 targets. They're making a concerted effort to try to get their best players involved. And to that, I tip my hat to Kitchens. And you mentioned Kareem Hunt. You know, a lot of people might say, well, is is this a one-for-one then with Nick Chubb not having a possible major role? No, I mean, Nick Chubb still played about 80, 82% of the snaps, so he's still absolutely going to be on the field. I mean, we still have to remember, though, that this is the Cleveland Browns. Like, they, they have not been good this season at all. In fact, their 19-16 win over the Bills was their first win in five games. First win in five games, and I'm not going to say that the Bills defense is as good as the Steelers defense, and especially against the run. It's this dynamic, though, of Odell Beckham versus Jarvis Landry. It's, it's been obvious that they've wanted to get and incorporate Odell more and more each weekend. With that said, though, Jarvis Landry is still the most consistent wide receiver on this team, has double-digit targets in three straight games. I don't know, despite the optimism that you're showing, and I think that's fair. I think whenever we can pick out little optimistic thoughts of the Browns, that's a very good thing to do. 
I'm not sure if that's going to be enough here against the Steelers, despite the Steelers' offense being absolute garbage. Yeah, Steelers' defense is awesome. This is a tough matchup for sure, but look, next one, two, next five games, they play the Steelers, the Dolphins, Steelers again, the Bengals, and the Cardinals. I don't want to assume the Browns are going to be anyone, but three of those games are pretty, they should win those games, and if they can split against the Steelers, all of a sudden they've won five of their last six. So and the, the Browns have, is a scenario where yeah. they sneak back in this playoff. Well, run. and the Browns have taken the, the stance of saying, hey, if we lose, we're basically out of the playoffs. We have to win out to win it. Um, okay, let's look at the Steelers' side of this equation on offense real quick. James Conner is back to practicing in full. We've seen Benny Snell. We've seen... Jalen Samuels, we've seen all that, and none of them are what James Conner offers. But at the core of this offense right now, it's Mason Rudolph. And Mason Rudolph has been a borderline NFL quarterback this entire season. It, nothing is exciting from his game. Nothing is enticing from his game. And that's a shame because when you think back to his days at Oklahoma State, he was this big vertical passer with James Washington and even came out and said that, uh, you know, I just don't have that big playability in me, basically, in the NFL, that I'm trying to play within the structure of the offense. Dude, the structure of the offense is around you right now, and you're just not very good at an NFL level. Well, and he's got himself three receivers that are specifically good at those types of downfield and contested ball opportunities. In this offense, there's James Conner, and I think there's just everyone else. I can't get behind anyone else as a fantasy option, mostly because of just volume. Because, look, since their week seven bye, Juju and Jalen Samuels have 20 targets. Mayans McDonald has 18. James Washington has 17. And Deontay Johnson has 15. I mean, they are spreading the ball out. Yeah. It's working. They're winning games. Good for them. But I think at this point, James Conner is the only person in this whole, whole offense you can fire up with any sort of confidence. Shocking that Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson are basically the same exact person production-wise this <sighs> season since week three. Uh, it's it's been wild to watch that. It's been very very surprising. You know, Juju put together some wide receiver two weeks with Rudolph. Like he's he had had the bad last week with Jalen Ramsey shattering him into the slot. So I don't want to assume that's going to be every week. But yeah, man, it's been down. I wonder if the toe injury that has popped hmm. up a couple times in the injury report can maybe be impacting him more than uh, he's letting on. Not to put you in a corner here, but again, the Steelers are five and four. If the playoffs started right now, they would be in that final wild card spot. Who are you picking this game? I got the Browns. Good for you. <laughs> See, if I get to ask, that means I don't have to answer as well. All right, Ian. I'll be picking the Browns, probably not betting the Browns. There we go. Two and a half again spread in that game. Uh, let's go to your column. Wide receiver cornerback matchups. You have about five other columns as well, but we're focusing on this one today. Let's start with Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears versus Jalen Ramsey, which is still wild to say of the Los Angeles Rams. Um, we've seen Jalen Ramsey trail at times certain players this season in his first game. Against the Atlanta Falcons, he did it at times against Julio Jones. We know that Allen Robinson is really the only real threat on the Bears right now. It would be a bit of a cautious play to have confidence in Allen Robinson this week. What do you think Jalen Ramsey matching up with him is going to do? It's a problem. I mean, look, A.B., OBJ and Hopkins are the only guys to get over 100 yards in Ramsey's shadow coverage. He might give up a reception or two per game, but he does not let guys just go off against him. He's a great cornerback. Great cornerbacks don't let receivers do that. And the one thing you could take away with him when he was with the Jaguars was he would not move inside the slot other than maybe five to ten high leverage opportunities per game. The first game of his career, he was actually a full-time slot cornerback, but since then he had never played more than 15 snaps in the slot in a game. That changed last week. Wade Phillips said, you know what, Jalen, wherever Juju goes, you are going with him. Really? 53% snaps as a true nickelback last week. By far the most he's played since that career debut. Huh. No one's safe anymore. No one's safe from Jalen Ramsey. And Allen Robinson is one of these wide receiver ones that spends a good amount of time in the slot. 
Man, I like uh, most wide receiver cornerback matchups, even if it is a shadow uh, date, like 60, 70, maybe 80% snaps, like worst case in that matchup. The way Ramsey's being played now, we could be seeing him on A-Rob nearly every route he runs. That's super notable because I looked it up. Allen Robinson runs 60% of his routes from the outside, 40% on the inside. And while we say that Allen Robinson is a consistent member of the Bears' offense and maybe the only one, it's not like it's been massive production. The past three games, five catches for 62 yards, one catch for six yards, then six catches for 86 yards. And this is one of his tougher matchups of the season. Yeah, the six-yard performance was against the Eagles, too, like a certified smash spot. And you watch A-Rob, he's making contested catches. He looks awesome after the catch. It's just with the way Trubisky's playing, who actually had a good game last week, you know, we'll give him a little credit there, but there's going to be inconsistency every, everywhere in this tough matchup. You know, I'm staying away. Let's move on. DeAndre Hopkins, against a name that I was surprised that you wrote down, I want to get your reasoning why. Um, DeAndre Hopkins faced the Baltimore Ravens, but against Jimmy Smith, a corner who's missed some time this year, who stepped in, this is a secondary that I keep talking about because it's really emerging as one of the best in the NFL and a real difference maker on that Ravens defense, which struggled at the start of the year. But why do you have Jimmy Smith written down here for DeAndre Hopkins? It's just their normal alignments. Like, they'll spend the most uh, snaps across from each other, most likely, but he's going to see a bit of everyone. Marlon Humphrey has become their full-time slot cornerback. Marcus Peters on the, other sl- on the other side. They had Humphrey shattering opposing number one wide receivers with a good amount of success early on in the season, but since they acquired Peters and since they got Smith back, they've pretty much been fine with letting offenses line up receivers however they want to, which, hey, it's worked. They've shut down the Patriots and Bengals over these last two weeks. I mean, that group of cornerbacks now – you know, I want to say they're secondary in general if they still have Tony Jefferson and some of these guys. Right. But, I mean, think how much better they could be if they had that guy. But their cornerbacks have become the strength of the defense to this point. The thing with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, though, is when did he become this underneath checkdown guy? He's kind of been a floor play and not a ceiling play at all this year. Like, it's been ridiculous, man. Like, look, he's got 13 straight games with at least five receptions. Like, you're getting – if he finds the end zone and gets to 100 yards, like, you're getting wide receiver one production out of him. But – Career low, 9.94 yard average target depth. That's 89th among all wide receivers. He's never even been below 12 before. Can we just take a guess, a gander, some might say, and wonder why that's happening this year? Because it's not like Deshaun Watson has changed the way he plays football. Deshaun Watson is still very much a vertical passer. And honestly, the Texans games kind of hinge on if he hits those big three or four vertical passes in a game or not. We've seen that multiple times this year. But it seems like a lot of those were going to Will Fuller. A lot of those were going to Kenny Stills, even Darren Fells in some situations. But they're not going to DeAndre Hopkins. I think you just said it, man. We got new weapons in this offense that are taking away some of Hopkins' fantasy-friendly opportunities. He has as many targets as Darren Fells inside the 10-yard line. And obviously, Kenny Stills is a much more certified field stretcher than, you know, Kiki Kuti, DeAndre Carter, some of these other guys that have been uh, Demarius Thomas last year. Like, you know, they keep surrounding... Hopkins with these receivers. Other than Will Fuller over the years, no one has really been able to stretch the field. Now they got, if Fuller's healthy, two of those guys that can do that. So right. they don't need Hopkins to do it more, but like the guy can do it. Just throw it up to him. And like you mentioned, we're not trying to be negative here overly on DeAndre Hopkins. He's still one of the most consistent wide receivers across the league. In fact, he has at least 11 targets in four consecutive games. All right. He's well, crushing it. I just wish he had a chance to crush it on more downfield stuff, yeah. Julio Jones versus James Radbury. That's the Atlanta Falcons against the Carolina Panthers. Julio Jones has at least nine targets in each of his past four games. No Austin Hooper in this game. We've seen Julio Jones versus James Bradbury at other points 
during their times with their respective teams. Uh, the Panthers tend to put the bigger corner in Bradbury on the bigger receiver and then have Dante Jackson cover the smaller, quicker guys. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Bradbury shadow Julio Jones here. If Bradbury plays, he's got this groin injury, wasn't able to sit up last week. I think Bradbury is one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the league. It's not like he's been immune to giving up a decent performance, but you almost never see him just 10 yards behind the receiver after getting completely deep by a double right. move or something like that. And like, when you think about it, He's in the NFC South. So, oh, it's tough. If, every the, if they week. match up with big corners every single time in those six games or big receivers, it's Julio Jones, it's Michael Thomas, and it's Mike Evans. That's pretty tough six games every <laughs> single year. And we've seen him hold up reasonably well with that. Especially I mean, Mike was, Evans. Hey, that's what I was about to say. So, even Julio, I mean, look, he's had some good games. He had that, he had the 300 yard performance in Bradbury's <laughs> rookie year. So if we remove that. I think, I think Bradbury actually left that game about a quarter or two in. At the very least, he was not shouting full time. No, he was not. And that was one of those games I think he like caught a massive deep ball over Luke Keekley's head. <laughs> it was one of the most ridiculous performances you can ever remember. I keep waiting. I mean, I don't, uh, look, Julio might not ever go for 300 yards again. Oh, right. man, really going on a, on a limb there. But I'm waiting for Mount St. Julio to erupt, and I think it could be this week. Because also, number two cornerback Dante Jackson left last week with a leg injury. We got six straight scoreless games with Julio. He actually averages more receiving yards per game on the road than at home during his career. Look, I know the Panthers have been much better against the pass this year, number three in DVOA, number two in a, uh, against the run. But it's been a long time. This could be the Julio eruption week we're looking for. Once again, that was Ian's wide receiver cornerbacks matchups. Go and check that out on Road Road. Also, if you liked our Thursday night football preview, go and check out our next episode, Friday episode. We'll be previewing nine games with me, John, Hayden, and Pat. So go and listen to that one as well. All right, time for Nick Menzio's starts and set. Nick, let's start off with John Brown against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, no, he gets Miami, excuse me. Last week against the Cleveland Browns, he had 11 targets, five catches, 77 yards. He is the top wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. That also means he's attached to Josh Allen. Yeah, Brown is the uh, overall wide receiver, 33 and a half PPR points per game this season. But he's shown a solid floor in his first year with the Bills. Hasn't really provided the high ceilings games we were used to in Arizona and Baltimore, but... He has just one 100-yard game on the year all the way back in week one, only one, only two touchdown catches. But he does have at least five catches and or 51 yards in every game this season, leading the Bills in targets at 7.9 per game. Um, the floor has been there, like I said. Um, he, he's paired with a bazooka-armed quarterback, uh, Josh Allen. Uh, the Dolphins have allowed the six most, most pass plays of 20-plus yards. Um, Miami is also... 24th in fantasy points allowed to wideouts and 30th in pass defense DVOA. Um, only the Giants, Bucks, and Vikings have given up more touchdowns to position. Um, and when these teams met back in week seven, Brown put up five catches for 83 yards and one touchdown as that week's wide receiver 10. So everything's stacking up for Brown and, and pretty much the entire Bills core of Allen, Brown, Cole Beasley, and Devin Singletary in this, in this, uh, in this game. Um, low total at 40 points, but I think all, all four of those Bills are must-starts in this spot. Yes, yeah, Smokey Brown, Michael Thomas, only two wide receivers in the league with at least 50 yards in every game. It's weird that we're approaching Smokey as like a floor play that can hopefully go off, but that's kind of the, what it's turned into. Shadow coverage should be there with something named Nick Needham, N-I-K. Nick, one of these guys. <laughs> like, I can't think of a better blow-up spot Nick, for Smokey Brown. I feel like you should change your name in honor of this Nick to N-I-K. <laughs> what do we yeah, have to do I'll, to I'll, get you to get rid of that C in your name? 
Oh man, I only I know one dude, and that's uh, actually my neighbor back home. His his name is Nick with without a C. So it's, it's like the only dude I know without a C in his name. Two, we'll t- t- two we'll touchdowns, the graphics two touchdowns from Smokey, and you got to change your name. There we go. There we go. That that thing that works. That's the that's the name bet, right? Name bet. Yep. That's what we're going with. All right. Next up, the next start is Tyler Boyd against the Oakland Raiders. Last week for Tyler Boyd against the Baltimore Ravens, he had eight targets, six receptions, and sixty-two yards. Nick, we know that he's attached to Ryan Finley. Basically, like nothing positive can come from this Bengals season, but there has been some consistency here with Tyler Boyd, especially now that it, as we head on week to week, it certainly seems like A.J. Green is not going to play at all this season. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Boyd was the over, overall wide receiver, 22 and a half PPR points per game, weeks one to five, but he's tumbled all the way to wide receiver 69 Ooh. from week six to 10. Nice. Um, <laughs> I knew that was coming. Was coming. Uh, he averaged 10.4 targets per game in the first five weeks compared to 9.5 over the last five. Um, volume obviously isn't a concern. He just hasn't scored a touchdown since week five when he went 10, 123, one against the Cardinals. Um, his last four receiving lines are 3 10 0, 555 0, 6 and 6 Kind of a, a nice little floor there in PPR, but his first game with Ryan Finley last week, he saw eight targets, uh, draws a Raiders defense this week. That is 30th in passing yards allowed, 31st in touchdown passes given up, and 31st in fancy points allowed to wideouts. Um, Opposing number one receivers over the last four weeks, um, Keenan Allen, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and DeAndre Hopkins have all caught at least eight eight balls and or 100 yards and touchdown against the Raiders since their since their week six bye. Um, I don't expect the Bengals to compete in this game, but I think there's a, a nice floor here for Boyd to see double-digit targets. Moving over to the sits column, let's start off with Philip Lindsay, obviously the running back for the Denver Broncos. He gets the Minnesota Vikings this week. But last week against the Cleveland Browns, low volume, just nine carries, I believe, but racked up. 92 yards and a touchdown. I don't think that was last week. That was just the last time they played. Are they coming off a bye? Yeah, it was week They're coming off a bye. Um, what do you think about Philip Lindsay against the Minnesota Vikings, a team that did very well, as we all saw, against Ezekiel Elliott? And we know that Philip Lindsay is splitting quite a number of touches with Royce Freeman out of that backfield. Yeah, like you mentioned last time out, 92 rushing yards. Those were, that was actually his second most of the season. Um, found the end zone for the fifth time this year in that game. Um, however, those nine touches, like you mentioned, were a season low. Um, He had most of his production on a 40-yard run and a 30-yard touchdown run against the Browns. Um, The Broncos ran a season-low 40 plays in Brandon Allen's first start. That's well below their season average of 60.4 plays per game. Um, Vikings present a a real stiff test. I mean, Minnesota's number seven in rushing yards allowed, 12th in opponent yards per carry, number five in run defense DVOA, and number five in fantasy points allowed to running backs. Um, As you mentioned as well, Lindsey and Royce Freeman just splitting work right down the middle. Freeman holds a slight snap share edge at 54% to Lindsey's 48%, but Lindsey's out touching Freeman on the year 143 to 120. I mean, just neither back is really an exciting fantasy play in this game. Um, uh, 39 half point total, second lowest of the week, and Denver's implied total of 14 and a half points is easily the week's lowest. Broncos haven't scored more than 24 points in a game this season, and we're going to really? week 11. Yeah, I, I think, Josh, you've been saying this all year. Play players from good offenses. Yes. That's kind of the easiest thing we can do here yes. is it doesn't matter about the volume necessarily if they are just on an absolutely atrocious team. But, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe it does work out for Philip Lindsay, but, you know, Nick's not counting on it. All right, let's close out this segment with Stefan Diggs. 
another one of your sets, and some people might be surprised. He gets the aforementioned Denver Broncos this past weekend against the Dallas Cowboys. Just six targets, three receptions, 49 yards. You know, Nick, a lot of people, when Adam Thielen went out, thought like targets would just be funneled towards Stephon Diggs. Well, he's matching up against top corners, and that's not necessarily the case. In fact, other pieces of this passing offense are the ones who are benefiting from it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's strung together back-to-back receiving lines of 1-4-0 against the Chiefs and 3-49-0 against the Cowboys. Both games, Adam Thielen was out with a hamstring injury. Um, don't expect him to play this week, especially with the Vikings having their bye next week. Um, he now catches a really tough matchup with Chris Harris and a Broncos defense that has, has allowed the second-fewest catches and fourth-fewest fancy points to opposing wideouts. Um, Denver is also number four in passing yards allowed and hasn't allowed a number a 100-yard game to a receiver since week one when that was Tyrell Williams went six catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. Um, the Broncos are number nine in opponent plays for a game. It just feels like a game where the Vikings should roll pretty easily. This is a 39.5 point total. Um, the Vikings are double-digit home favorites. Um, Dalvin Cook should just have no issues turning up yards on the ground. Well, I mean, Kirk Cousins might not have to throw the ball more than 15 times. Hmm. So and it's just it's hard to get behind Diggs with the, the low volume that he could see in this game. You can check out Nick's full list of starts and sets over on Roto World right now. Some interesting names in that one. Nick, thanks so much, man. Ian, thank you, buddy. Thank you, man. Appreciate you always coming in here, sitting down, letting people listen with microphones on to what we talk about. I appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. Preview episode. Again, nine game previews. Always a fun one. It's going to be a fun week 11. Week 10 was outstanding. Week 11 will be even better. Everyone out there, thanks so much for listening. Talk to you all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.